Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Storytime at the Rubus. I'm your host, Sharla. And I'm Daniel. And hey guys, you're getting two big episodes in a week. First off, we want to make sure that you listen to our lineup episode. And by the way, thank you to those of you that already have. We put a heck of a lot of work into that one. We made sure that that one mostly features other Bonnaroovians from all over the place. We got their reaction to the lineup. We had great interviews with Wanda and Pondo. So we want to make sure you listen to that. But this is kind of maybe a part two, right, Charla? Right, a part two. We've got two very special guests on this episode tonight. Yeah, we've got Corey and Brad from C3, and if you've listened to the What podcast already, it's the same guys. It's two of the guys that are really instrumental in putting together the greatest party on the planet, as I keep calling it. Right, exactly. They give us an inside baseball look at Bonnaroo. Yeah, so we talked with them for well over an hour about a lot of different things. We talked about more of the campground experience, because that's our side of things. We talked a little bit about this lineup. We talked about advice for young people. And also, if you know me, I couldn't not ask one certain question about a certain band. We'll get to that towards Ooh. the end. Yeah. But also, we want to encourage you to listen to the What podcast as well. They interviewed them. We made sure that we didn't cover the same ground. Um, maybe there's like one minute that repeats a little bit, but the rest of it is new stuff that they didn't really talk about there. So shout out to Barry and Taco for their great interview as well. We don't want to steal their thunder. Right, exactly. Charla, what do you think we jump into it? All right. All right, Corey and Brad, I want to thank you guys so much, not just for being here, but for throwing this amazing party for us, I keep saying this and it's honestly and genuinely true. Like I truly believe that Bonnaroo is the greatest party on the planet. Like I'm not exaggerating or trying to blow smoke. And I agree. a lot of this is because of what you guys are doing behind the scenes, making sure that it feels seamless for us on the other side. And honestly, the past couple of years is because you have made it kind of a collaborative experience. So like you spoiled us to death working with us on all the crazy things that we want to do, but you've supported like the beer exchange and work with the parachute people. So I just think it's safe to say on behalf of the community, it is so appreciated. We really appreciate all the work it that really you guys is. are doing yeah. for us and especially supporting all the crazy stuff that we all want to do in the campgrounds. I, we talked about this yesterday with Barry, like the, everything that you're talking about is, is part of the, organic spice that is the flavor of Bonnaroo that makes it so important and unique and special. So it would be a really dumb, uh, not only a dumb personal, but work decision for us to decide that we were just going to ignore all the cool people and cool things that are going on out in the campgrounds and people who are kind of flagpoles in this community. Uh, it, it would not behoove us to to not pay attention to those things and figure out how we can support and uh, amplify whatever's already going on organically just as part of the 20 years that we've been building this thing. Mm -hmm. Dude, that's what always, that's what always blew me away when I first started going to, you'd like, you'd be kind of like wandering around at night, like not really <laughs> sure what the next move was. And then you just come up on somebody's campsite where, you know, you got a couple, couple books just like <laughs> jamming for like 30 minutes on the same song, just like, have it at it and it was like the that was like the most fun part so yeah any anytime someone's like actually comes to us and asks if they could actually do something like that we're like yeah for sure there was a girl a couple of years ago and i don't think she's gone through with this yet but she had this idea for like basically having a prom somewhere out <laughs> she wanted everybody to wear like 80s suits and dresses and just show up and they were going to have like slow dances and stuff 
And you hear that and you're like, yeah, why not? That's great. We should totally sounds do that. Hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does sound hot. Yeah, it does sound hot. But everything sounds hot at Bonnaroo. Like takes you back to the proms back in the olden days before there was air conditioning. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we get too far, um, we're going to assume that anybody who's listened to this has also listened to the What podcast. So they got to hear a lot about your Bonnaroo story. But guys, just quickly introduce yourself. Uh, tell us your name. But also... Tell us something really interesting or fun about yourself that has nothing to do with Bonnaroo. I'll go first, Corey, if you want. We'll just go alphabetical yeah. order. It always makes it easy for yeah. me. Um, I'm Brad Parker with C3. Uh, worked on Bonnaroo since 2013, and I'm currently the festival director of Bonnaroo and a few other shows. And uh, the thing that comes to mind right now that's interesting about me, I guess, or that I'm super excited about, so it's top of mind, is next Friday I'm going to Japan for two weeks. What? My, What's uh, going on? My number one bucket list. Uh, I'm just going with my girlfriend, and uh, we're just going to have a good time, try to actually take a real vacation for the first time in like 10 years, so I'm pumped up about it. Have you not been there before? Never been. Oh, dude. It's a trip. So we spent one night in Tokyo years ago because we had like a day layover. Just get ready, dude. Like, you'll find that some things are similar to Rue. You're going to have a good time. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm so pumped. We're there for 13 nights. So I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to get get crazy. Oh, you're going to love it. It is absolutely amazing in all the best ways. But your mind is going to be blown. Absolutely. I'm yeah. ready. I'm ready for my mind to be blown. I'm ready for a lot of good food, too. Look, when you get there, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I see how they came up with Mario. <laughs> All right, Corey, Corey, you're up. My turn, yeah. Uh, I'm Corey Smith. I started working for AC Entertainment back in 2013. Um, did mostly marketing for concerts for a few years and then uh, started stepping my foot into the festival world. Um, and now I'm with C3. Uh, I handle all the marketing for Bonnaroo um and a few other festivals um and then dude i think the most interesting thing about me right now is that i'm currently the front man of a moderately successful uh 90s country cover band i knew you were gonna say that all well, right was, I said, dude i don't even know how that happened but <laughs> so all right. it's been pretty wild so wait plug your band what do you play <laughs> Uh, so we've got this thing called Boo Scoot and Boogie Nights. <laughs> and it's just a, it's a 90s country show. And I don't know, we did be in a couple of my buddies. I've, I've been playing music for years, um, mostly in like jam bands and like super like techie progressive rock stuff. And then uh, me and my, a few of my buddies thought it'd be fun to just put together a 90s country cover band and play the bars around town. <laughs> Um, because we all grew up on it. Uh, and then our second show we we did at the Yeehaw here in Knoxville of like, like <laughs> 750 tickets. So it's just kind of we're like, oh, this is this is something people are interested in. So what's like yeah. the most fun 90s country song to play for you? Mm. Oh, there's uh I really like doing uh we've got this girl, Haley the Bell, that sings with us. And we do a mean from this moment on duet. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's wow. 
that's a deep cut. I wouldn't have. I was thinking like me and you were joking about Colin Baton Rouge or something like that. I was well, thinking, Colin Baton Rouge is fun, right? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. That, I mean, like you know, brand new man, like some of those old Brooks and Dunn songs. Like, there's so many, but that one is impossible to pull off. So it always it always feels like you always like kind of impress yourself when you get through it and it sounds really good. And I just think we nail it. <laughs> I got Corey's got so many layers. That's why I love Corey so much. He's just got so many layers. He's he's playing jam bands. He's doing marketing for Bonnaroo. He's putting on his Wranglers and playing country hits. Like never just, know, man. There's yeah, a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Well, look, he's like one of these guys that played baseball, and now they're one of the announcers in the booth. He's been on all sides of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Renaissance man. The announcers like way more fun, though. I think. <laughs> I like right. to think Bonnaroo was like an open world video game. Like Corey would be like the default character that you start the game as. Yeah. Uh, he's like, like the guy that you run into in Skyrim that uh, took an arrow <laughs> to the knee. <laughs> oh, All right. Good. Another intro question. This will help people. Get <laughs> this one is a Bonnaroo question. You guys have been working it a long time. You've seen everything. What is the weirdest or wildest thing that you've personally seen in your time there? Ooh, I don't know if it's okay to say some of these things. <laughs> I need to think of something that's like safe for work. We can we can do a, a hard PG-13. The funny thing would be when you edit this to just as soon as I start talking, just bleep the entire like 60 seconds out of what I'm saying. <laughs> um, oh, can we? I, I think I have an answer, but I want to think about it. Can we like think about it and revisit? Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's return to that at the end so that okay. I can get time to think about it while the other guy's talking. But I do want to hear the answer Perfect. to that. All right. With that said, um, I do want to get into stuff about this year and a little bit of the lineup and inside baseball stuff. But, you know, for us, we're more focused on like the user experience and campground side of things. So that's going to be a lot of what we talk about. But do you guys want to rip the Band-Aid off and talk about the lineup and a little bit of the business side of things first? All right. So you talked about a lot of this already with uh, the What podcast the other day, but we had a couple other things we want to talk about. So I'm really excited about Pretty Lights and Fred again this year. I feel like it's a little bit of a different move for you guys, but one that still makes sense for Rue. And it's kind of something that gives us opportunities to see things that we haven't before. I think everybody knows you just expected the unexpected with Pretty Lights on Thursday. Like yeah. you guys know what happened at the cavern. Literally, the sky is the limit. You know, not to hint around it too much, but I want to talk about Fred again. That is a really unique booking. And you guys in the owl talked about how it is a North America exclusive. So like Fred again, he is probably most known for like the boiler room set mm -hmm. or the show at a certain unnamed festival in Southern California last year. Mm -hmm. And the thing that those shows had in common is he had an in the round set. Right. So it was like at a stage that was kind of in the center of everything. Is it unrealistic to expect something like that on Sunday night? I would say, I just want to be careful how I answer questions here, but here, yeah. here, here, here's my default answer is when you talk to an artist like Fred and convince them to do something like, let us be the only U.S. festival that they're going to play in 2024, they want to bring any and everything to the table. And our job is to say yes to as much of it as possible. 
So I, I th that's what I will say about what will happen Sunday night. I think it's going to be a truly extraordinary and transformative set for Bonnaroo and for Bonnaroo fans. And I think that a lot of the people who might be a little bit uh, of haters at the moment, um, uh, I think that they, if they trust us and show up, I think they'll walk away happy and probably a fan. Okay. That is a, that is a great way to answer that question, Brad. I didn't mean to hold your feet to the fire too much with that. No. But as you guys were putting this together, what were some of the things that you had in mind that made you think, yes, this is the play to put Fred as a headliner on Sunday? Yeah, um, I think I think something I wanted to mention, too, is like I think sometimes when people look at the lineup and, you know, there's there's artists that have been talked about a lot over the past year, like Tame Impala, Miley Cyrus, et cetera. Um, and I think sometimes when people, you know, look at the lineup and those names aren't on there, um, they kind of wonder if we're listening. Um, and we absolutely are, you know, um, if if there's acts like that that are a priority for our fans, you know, there's a conversation going on and, you know, they're going to play. Um, and, you know, there's every year there's dozens of conversations that go on with multiple artists about headliners and there's some that you go after really hard and there's some that you decide maybe it's better for next year or some maybe it's better three years down the road um but you know fred fred is one of them that you know there's a vision for that show on sunday and it's very intentional and it's going to be an epic legendary Bonnaroo moment. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think, I think that's like my vibe on that. And I, I just want to add something to that too, that I think is, you know, sometimes I really feel like there's, there are right moments where, you know, this sort of inside baseball stuff really helps fans understand what it takes to make something like Bonnaroo happen. Um, there, you know, there's this insinuation that I feel whenever I read some comments that like it just if we want an artist, we ask them and we get them right. It's <laughs> it's a very it's a very complex and complicated process. The yeah, artist joking to, with people that it's not like you're just going to the store and be like, yes, I'll take one Gaga, you know. Yeah, I'll yeah. have uh, one Rolling Stone on Sunday, yeah. please, and I'll have yeah. It's like art artists have to be one available. On June twelfth of twenty twenty four, somewhere in and around Manchester, Tennessee, right? It's already a very specific ask. They have to be touring, and most likely they have to be touring on new music because artists that are going to get a big festival look, they don't want to go out and play stuff that they released two or three years ago, right? They want to wait for the moment where they're going to come out with a new show that they're going to blow fans' minds away with. So they have to be wanting to tour. They have to be available at the time. There's obvious negotiations about what we're paying them and things like that. But 2024, as you've probably read in, in you know, with Festival and other outlets that cover the, the festival industry, is a very tough year for festivals because a lot of headlining artists are not touring. They came out of the pandemic. They worked their asses off and they're like, I need a breather, right? Yeah. I need to take a, I need a breath. So in a year where we already knew that the pool of headliners was going to be extremely limited 
and where we knew there were a lot more festivals in the market post pandemic that existed that are potentially competition, we had it top of mind that we've got to do something that's going to make us stick out from the competition, right? We have to have, we can't share the same three headliners as every other show in America and just flip the days that they're playing on. Yeah. Like that is something we always get complaints about. Right. And so um, it, it, it's, it's, law it's hard work it's it's not easy it's um brian benson who books this show puts every ounce of blood and sweat that he has into it and you know he he sits and reads these comments and and i i know it just hurts him sometimes because he's like man i i want to give you i've got the perfect lineup in my head but i it doesn't mean i can get everybody to say yes so um i don't know i just think that kind of context is important for any fans that might listen like like Corey said the amount of times I hear Tame Impala walking around our office or on comments or people messaging me, it's like, dude, we get it. We want Tame Impala to play Bonnaroo as I well. see you got my letters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we may return to that later, but um, yeah, thanks for that inside on the lineup. I'll leave most of that stuff to the, the What podcast, but I did have a couple of questions along those lines for you about kind of like the brand itself. So- mm-hmm. Clearly, we love it to death. It's taken up a big part of our lives because it changed our lives. And one thing that we love about Rue is I can't think of another festival besides like, you know, maybe Burning Man that has such like a culture and a community. And, you know, Corey, I've seen that you put a blurb on the front page at Bonroo.com. So this is kind of for you. How do you work on communicating like the tradition and the history of the festival? Stuff like the New Orleans connection, the you know the the name coming from Doctor John, stuff like that. Uh, that's really challenging, actually. Um, th- this is actually getting pretty inside baseball, but you know, all of all of our data shows us that people spend less and less time on a given website or web page than they used to. Um, so kind of the like long form like blog stuff that you used to see um you know music festivals or artists or whoever coming out with that stuff just doesn't really get read anymore um so it's it's kind of it's kind of gotten gotten to a place where we can be more creative about it um and you know try to pour it into the visual side of the brand um and put little blurbs here and there do stuff on site um and one thing we're leaning into um is video um like like, you know, last year we we put out that How to Rue video. Yeah. Um, I think was super well received. Um, and that's that's a part of a series that we're going to be working on because um, it's just so much easier to get someone to watch a three-minute video than it is to get them to read a, you know, six-paragraph tutorial. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's also really hard um, to tie in some of the, like, the historical stuff like the, you know, uh, New Orleans connection and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, sometimes the best, the best we can do for it is a little blurb here, here and there, and then word of mouth um, and look into different ways to weave it in and out on site. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely an, an interesting balance. I'll tell you one of my favorite things that uh, you guys did was way back in 2016, because that was an anniversary year. And like a lot of the relics from Bonnaroo's past were strewn all over the place and they had little plaques in front of them. It was yeah. almost, you turned the whole grounds into a little bit of a museum. That was, maybe that, that was, was cool. one of the reasons that was pretty much my favorite year, Tame Impala notwithstanding. 
Yeah, I think most of those relics are in pretty bad shape at this point. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. T has definitely seen his be better day. <laughs> He's not doing so good. Oh, here's a little, um, uh, here's a little just piece of Bonnaroo trivia for you. Um, for those that have been around, you'll probably know exactly where I'm referencing. So at the Starbucks, next to the Starbucks, there was for a long time, there was a train museum there, very random, like it, a little building there. Uh, and last year, yeah, the beginning of 2023, that building went up for sale and we were going to try and buy it because our idea was to put basically a little Bonnaroo merch slash museum in it and just have it there for like throughout the year. Um, ultimately, I think like a gas station bought it and we couldn't compete with uh, it or like Chick-fil-A or something and we couldn't compete hey, with dude. it. But, um, if you ever got something small, give it to us. The inside of a bus is basically a museum for Bonnaroo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were going to try and take all that stuff you're talking about and like try to put it all in one place. Um, so when people happen to be traveling throughout the year, they could just hop off the exit and check it out. But didn't work out, unfortunately, but thought I would just share that little nugget. That's a really good idea. In right. fact, we should talk later when we're not that recording. That's so cool. Um, all right. Along those uh, lines, I'm going to talk just one more question about the brand itself, because it means so much to so many of us. So something that came to mind to me while I was prepping all this is, you know, it was like, what, two years ago now, we almost went to a Bonnaroo in September because, you know, we had to because of the yeah. pandemic and everything. And if it wasn't for the hurricane, we would have done it. A lot of people were more than happy to do it. Have there ever been any discussions about doing something like at other times of the year with the brand or maybe even something away from the farm like they did at the amphitheater that time? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Um, I mean, there have nothing's nothing's come to fruition, but it's been talked about. The 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 I guess there's a couple answers to your question. There's definitely been there's definitely been conversations around ways to just engage the brand through like other times throughout the year, not just on the farm for four to six days in June. Um the second answer to that question is that um, June a lot June works for a lot of reasons. One, it's it's a time that that typically younger age kids, college age people can take the time to actually commit, right? Because yeah. it's a, it's a large commitment, as you all know. Um, for the most part, although it's hot, it's pretty safe weather season. Um, when it comes to threats of tornadoes or torrential downpours and things like that, it's a pretty mild part of the, of the weather season for well, Tennessee. As we know now, September may not be the best time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of reasons when it comes to time of the year, when it comes to what other festivals are happening around that time. And it, it's just, it really is, was the perfect storm. And then I think after 20 years of, programming that in people's minds of when Bonnaroo is it's like is there really a reason to even think about moving it like unless we really think it's going to benefit us like it's probably more of a risk at this point than it is um gonna give us any sort of gain so that's a great question though people don't ask that a lot well um, we went to one of those events where it was one of those concerts at the farm deals we went to go see the Abbott brothers and it mm -hmm. seemed like it was really well attended and it seemed like the farm could be modified for things at other parts of the year. And I know you guys got like a million irons in the fire, but we were always curious if that 
concept was ever going to be returned to, or maybe there was going to be like another exit 111 type deal. It's a really challenging, it's a really challenging site to operate. It's really expensive to open the doors, quote unquote. Um, the concerts on the farm was really something that was just it, at that time, we were one of the only options within, you know, the live nation sphere of like, let's try and do something for fans, right? There's nothing going on. Um, and we own the property and all of that. So it was like, we had a little bit less risk and there's no shows going on, but the demand is there. So let's try and make it happen. Those shows obviously were, um, they were great for the fan. They were not great for us. We had to buy a lot of bike rack. We had to pay for vac. We had to pay for staff to stay vaccinated and, and testing and all of that stuff. So it was really hard from a financial standpoint to make it successful. Um, and exit one eleven was you know a uh, people still i mean that facebook group is still active i go in there and wow. look at it. it's crazy they the, those people once a week somebody posts in there oh i heard it. it's i heard it's coming back <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was a great experience it was a little cold but i don't know if you all actually went to that one or not but and we missed that one um the lineup was great but it wasn't specifically our like kind of tea but that was why it appeared cool to me like it could turn the farm into a little bit like Suwanee down in Florida, where you can have like multiple things there, like sometimes different genres, you know? So I love the concept. Yeah. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta sell a lot of tickets to make it worth using that property just because of the lack of, you know, outside of the resources we've built and provided ourselves. It's just a challenging place to do it, you know, with, mm -hmm. Anything we do out there that's more that would be more than 10,000 people involves a lot of buy in from Tennessee Highway Patrol yeah. and all of these state resources. And it just it kind of the expenses just pile up really fast. OK, well, I was curious and what you said kind of fell in line with what we were kind of guessing. But, yeah, thanks for playing ball with us. Um, so these next couple of things is kind of going along with what we're trying to do with the new Totem Foundation that we've started this past year. Um, you've probably heard about it. We're really focusing on trying to get the next generation of Ruvians up and going. And one thing that we want to do is really coach them for success, not just, you know, having a good time at Rue, but like in their lives, in their careers. So I got a couple of questions for you about that. Um, first of all, we get this a lot because um, people see that we're involved. They want to get involved too. So I got a good day job. I don't necessarily want to work in the industry with you guys. I got all the respect in the world for you, but I talk to a lot of kids who do want to work in the music industry. So let's say, how can someone, you know, turn being involved at Bonnaroo into a career behind the scenes working with you guys? Like specifically what impresses you the most and what kind of thing would make you want to hire somebody? Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun one. Um, we talked about this a little bit uh, with, Barry and Russ the other day, but I, I think for me, it's always like, what, what have you, what have you accomplished on your own? You know, it music's a very easy space to be entrepreneurial. Like all you got to do to book a band is call a bunch of venues until someone says yes. You know, um, all you got to do to throw your own festival is you know, as long as it's not too big, you know, find a space <laughs> where someone says yes, um, where the noise isn't going to bother too many people and you're good. <laughs> so there's the the barrier to entry is fairly low and the investment up front is mostly just time. 
Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to get your feet wet without having to convince someone that you know what you're doing. Um, and then once you, you know, center in on a, a company or a, a project or festival, or maybe a band you want to manage or something, and you can come to them and say, Hey, I've been, you know, managing these guys that I went to college with for three years now. And I, I got them into this venue and that venue. And, you know, I helped them with this release that sold this many copies, et cetera. Uh, you already got your foot in the door and you didn't even have to, you know, <laughs> like work your way up the ladder per se. Um, so that's, that's always my advice. And that was kind of the, the, the route that I took to like get my feet wet and get experience, um, was just kind of like playing in bands, booking bands, helping people put on shows, um, et cetera. I did a little bit of like publicity for bands in college, um, stuff like that. Brad, same question. Like what would really, like if you saw somebody doing something really cool on the farm and you were like, Hey, we need to get them at our offices. What kind of thing would that be? I mean, there, there's, there are people in, I'm, I'm, I'm in Nashville. I don't know if you all knew that Corey's in Knoxville. I'm in Nashville. I, I work out of the live nation office that's in Nashville here. They've got a pretty large office here. There's, three four five there's five people that work in the live nation office now because they went through my belmont my my bonnaroo u program and simply followed up with me afterwards and said hey i had a really great experience here's what i'm working on i would love to stay in touch can we get a coffee got a coffee with them and then you know now they work they don't work on our team but they they're they're in the business they're right down the hall they're they're getting their foot in the door and i think I think that the things that I look for are primarily based around, you know, the industry we work in is really is really built on soft skills. I can teach you how to build ticket scaling for a festival. I can teach you how to, you know, advance a stage or an artist, but I can't teach you how to have a conversation and cultivate relationships and keep your cool whenever things are really melting down around you. And when people kind of show that they have that, then that's something that can be molded, right? It's like a little ball of Play-Doh. It's like, oh, this is great. I can, I can take this and make it into something really cool. So I really look for people who, who make it an effort to show their interpersonal skills and, 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 exercise empathy and and different things like that because our our whole industry is built on egos and how to dance around them and deal with them and if you can do that then that's great <laughs> i I'd, I'd rather 10 out of 10 i'd rather have someone that can do that and knows nothing about no technical skills in the industry rather than someone who's advanced 11 arena tours and has a shit attitude like that's just personally how i kind of look at it so I think the attitude thing there is key. I, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but like over a decade ago, I managed a band and it was fun. I loved hanging out with them and going with them to gigs. But man, the egos and the politics of it were a bit much sometimes. And I think that was the point where I'm like, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to make this a side hustle and a hobby, not my main thing. Yeah. It yeah, can bless, bless you on even wanting to try to be in the, in the management world. That's a tough one. Oh, I can tell you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, okay, so my other question for you that's kind of like advice for young people is on the other side of things, like people who actually want to play the music instead of doing the the business side of it. So say there's somebody in their room making EDM on their computer, 
or maybe they're in a garage with a band like our friend Wanda, hint, hint, or maybe they're in a country cover band like somebody we know. <laughs> what gets them noticed? Like what gets them booked for the who stage to start them out? Like how can they get around the egos and politics that we were talking about to play inside Sinaru? Well, I want to tee up, I want to tee up Corey for an answer here. Um, I think there's two answers for me. The first answer is a little bit of a, just a, a real answer to the question is that you have to get to a certain point to where there's other people in the circle that are vouching for you to where you're getting in front of opportunities like playing at a Bonnaroo or an ACL or a Lollapalooza, right? Um, unfortunately, there's it's not always where the art speaks for itself at to a certain extent. But what I will say, and this is where I hope Corey can hit a little hit a little softball here. Um, you know, artists now more than ever have the most free marketing mechanisms at their exposure than have ever existed in history with things like TikTok and Instagram reels and all of that. And if you're willing to play the game, you will be rewarded. That's truly what I believe. Whenever I talk to independent artists here, I have a lot of friends who are independent artists and the ones who are willing to sit down and make the content and put it out there over and over again, I see them reap the reward. And the ones who are like, I don't need that. I'm just going to go keep playing rounds and eventually something's going to happen. It's like, that's great, but that's not how the industry works anymore. Mm. Like it's not the stories anymore of where some, some guy from Columbia records, you know, walks into a smoky bar on a Sunday and finds the next Luke Combs. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how, that's not how it happens anymore. Like you got to put in the work. There's too much competition. Yeah. I mean, I I, I might take this in a little different direction than you thought I was going to, but I was just going to say it's really, really hard. Um, like I, you know, I when I was probably my first like three or four years at AC, um, you know, I, I would work the week and then me and the boys would get in a 1991 Dodge van in the parking garage behind the office on Friday and we'd drive, play a gig drive somewhere else the next night, play another gig, and then come back and get back to Knoxville at like 4 a.m. on Sunday. Hmm. Um, And we did that for, yeah, we did that for like a year and a half, two years, um, pretty much every other weekend. Um, And, you know, we got to the point where, you know, if we'd go to Nashville, maybe 40 people would come. Um, You know, if we went to Athens, we had about 25 people that would come out to those shows. And, that was the progress that we made in a year and a half, you know, being there two or three times. Um, and most of the bands that I see get successful, um, you know, by the time they are at Bonnaroo, they're in their thirties. Um, and there's exceptions, obviously, you know, if you, if you are good at social media and you write a hit, um, you know, I remember like, uh, I mean, Noah Kahan wasn't a nobody, right? But stick season hits TikTok and now he's headlining all the festivals. Um, so if you if you get a good song that's really catchy and resonates with people um, and you use the Internet well, um, you can definitely propel yourself. Um, but I think the most tried and true way is to stay on your grind, commit your life to it, know that that's what you want and, you know, keep fighting until you get it. 
um, you know, make it, make it to where, I mean, the best way to, you know, play Bonner is to make Bonner come to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's hard to answer all of that. Yeah. I'm hearing it's two hard, answers. You can be in uh, Bonnaroo you or go be a roadie with Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a little bit more air condition involved in my situation. <laughs> yeah. for, for anyone that might be trying to decide which way they're going to go. <laughs> all right, I, guys. Mean, I will say I'm not getting in the van on the weekends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, get into the bus when there's no AC going. I'll show you something. Yeah. Oh, I've been in there with no AC. <laughs> it turns into an easy bake oven, dude. Yeah. All right. So for these next ones, we're going to kind of talk. Uh, we're going to go out back to Outeroo, as it's called these days. Mm-hmm. I love that, by the way. And talk more about like kind of like the campgrounds and user experience. You, you want to kick us off, Charlotte? Okay. So as Daniel said previously, we do focus more on like the user experience of things. So talking about the pods and the plazas. So what do you think are really working with the plot, the plazas nowadays? And where do you see the next generation of the plazas really going for this year? Brad, you want to take that one? Maybe yeah. on the logistical side a little more? Yeah, I'll take that. I mean, first and foremost, the, the base of the changes you've seen in the campgrounds, let's say from 2018 to now, that was the, the basis of all that change was that we we knew that we needed to try to elevate just at a baseline the experience of what it was just to live, just to try to live out there with, you know, trying to permanent bathrooms and building permanent structures for the barns and and things along that side. And then, you know, we kind of went down a rabbit hole of um okay, well, we have this data that shows us that at any given time, you know, 30% of our fans are not in center route. They're, they're still in the campgrounds. If it's, seven, if it's 7 p.m., if it's midnight, if it's 3 p.m., like pretty much at any given time, we saw the data that said 30% are not in there watching a stage. Like they're, they're out there doing something. So then the idea of, well, let's start giving them a little something to do if they decide they're going to stay out in the campgrounds, um, beefing up, you know, some food and bev operations. And then the idea of like the plazas having, you know, sort of let's just call it themes to make it easy, like Plaza 7 one year, you know, in 2019, we did the Ville where it was all Nashville focused things at Plaza 7. And then we had... Uh, Haley Williams doing her things out at Plaza Two, and we have the House of Yes and all of these things. And By the so, way, House of Yes, our absolute favorite. We love that so much. That's like something that's like so alongside the whole theme of Brew. Like you guys yeah. hit a grand slam getting them. So, so you you'll you've probably noticed things come and go, right? As far as what's going on out in the campgrounds, and that's because as we've explored what is working and not working out there, we've really found that the shining stars of the whole thing are where in the woods and house of yes. Like those are by far the fan favorites. So now you might start to see us um, not necessarily peel back on the programming we're doing, but focus our efforts where we're hearing people say, this is what hmm. we're really enjoying. Okay. Um, and then I, I would think sometimes people don't think of this as like a plaza, but when we think about the campgrounds, we think about what's going on at where in the woods, what's going on at House of Yes, and what's going on around group camping, because that's obviously a very important, 
group of people for us. So um, I think you'll start to see us kind of hone in now that we've thrown a lot of stuff against the wall and see, and seen what sticks and what works, you'll start to see us put, put more effort into those things and maybe pull back a little bit on other areas where we've just seen things not be as successful as we thought they would. Well, Brad, you hit the nail on the head with kind of what I was thinking about like camp area stuff. Um, let's we'll start with where in the woods. I feel like that's another area where you guys have really hit it out of the park the past couple of years. It feels like that whole area has become just as iconic as like the arch, the fountain, the what stage, yeah. like it has been a big magnet for a lot of people. Where do you think that goes next? How do you continue to evolve that? I mean, I think we're limited on size there, obviously. Um, but it's been really fun the last couple of years to, you know, have a big underplay or two out there. Um, like letting someone like Zed's dead take over and do something crazy. Um and so I, I think, I think that honestly, the, the way that we've been looking at that is like another centenary stage, you know, um, and just making sure that we're not overbooking it during the day when people aren't out there and, you know, using those resources to put on big ass parties out there with big names and doing something super special. Um, and then also using it as kind of a, place for surprises and it's also just like so immersive um yeah that that that's like that has almost become like a center stage in my mind like as far as importance of how we treat it and everything and, and i just want to add one quick thought to that daniel before yeah. before you go on the other thing that i think is important for people to understand for us is that there's also a very fine line of balance here when we're talking about programming because at the end of the day Cineru is our bread and butter we're spending a lot of money for bands that are playing in Cineru to be seen and if we're creating too much competition then we're almost doing a disservice to ourselves and some of the artists so it mm -hmm. the time the timing of when things are happening also you know I think it was 2022 maybe that we kind of went, you know, we had really big things going on at Where in the Woods and the other at the same time. And we kind of realized like, okay, well, now we're competing with ourselves. Like we need to de-conflict this a little bit so fans can don't have to choose. They can enjoy like what yeah. we're paying. Like the production at the other stage is like, it's not a cheap thing. It's a place where we've really invested a lot of money, right? So by the way, I love those pillars, those big, those yeah. big screen pillars. Mm -hmm. Chef's kiss. I love those. Yeah, it'd be like remodeling your house and then being like, hey, but have you seen this, uh, my other my other place down the road? It's like, no, we, we want <laughs> well, you to look think, at the spot um, that we put the money into. I learned last year from working with Corey to put that cherub thing together that the schedule is instrumental in that. Like, you don't want to put too many things conflicting. I know Ruvians complain when the schedule comes out, like, oh, why are you putting this band against this band? But there's like a method to the madness. But real quick, before we move to that kind of stuff later, um, I did have one request from the community when it came to wearing the woods. Um, you know how like when you roam around Sinru, those those big uh, mushroom things where there's like water spigots on the side of it. One is desperately needed at where in the woods. If we could get, I that. saw that on Twitter yeah. actually. I yeah, saw someone yeah. comment that. Yeah, I put that on my notes. I mean, look, just go ahead and just let's consider that done. Awesome, <laughs> thank you, sir. Oh my God, thank you. But, yeah, I think talking about the the plazas and stuff, I think that's another like, you know, last year we made some big changes, obviously to how we did things out there. And, you know, it went really well. 
And so this year it's more like taking out, you know, making the fine notes of like, okay, this plaza needs more restrooms this year. Shower lines were long at this one. Um, you know, people really loved the coffee shop at the fun house. Like, let's do more of that. Like stuff like that. Just kind of trying to like see how we can just like fine tune it and make the experience even better. Now that it feels like we have like a lot of the like big boxes checked, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it totally makes sense. A um, couple other things about the campground experience, just as like a user experience kind of thing. So um, Brad, you touched about the group area. First of all, thank you. We're spoiled to death over there. We can't thank the both of you enough uh, for your help with all the crazy shit that we want to do. Um, but one thing that we've heard from a lot of group area uh, group area people is, you know, the old wooks that have been there for a long time are still talking about like, oh, they moved it and everything. We can see as newbies, like what you're trying to do with that, like move it to a different area where it's easy to get traffic in and out and kind of making it more of like a hub for a lot of different things. I wondered if you could just speak a little bit about like what your plans are with that group area. Um. So, well, I'll let Corey speak to maybe some things that we might be working on, but I just want to talk a little bit about something you hinted at. A lot of a lot of decisions we make in the campground, people read into them a lot, but really a lot of those decisions just come down to what makes this the easiest on our staff from an operational standpoint. And we obviously allow a lot of liberties with the group camping and the location was really dictated by this is just going to make this a lot easier in the grand scheme of everything else that's going on around it for us to service this group and make it not only give them what they need, but make it easiest on us without conflicting with other campgrounds or plazas or anything like that. Because I mean, dude, if you saw just what our traffic plan looks like, it would take you three weeks to read it. If I sent it to you, like I saw a peek at it one time and my brain broke. Oh, it's, it's, it's just crazy. But, um, so group comes up, I think in every conversation that I've ever had with Corey, I mean, it's top of mind when we talk about anything, whether it's pricing or programming or, or anything, it's like, okay, this is the, uh, not the exception to the rule, but it's always a group that we're thinking about in, in, in the back of our mind with every decision that we make around the festival. I don't know if you want to add to that, Corey, but no, I think that's basically it. I mean, the that a lot of the it feels like a lot of the tradition is like pervert or uh, pres- preserved and advocated from uh, group campers, um, and a lot of the you know camaraderie and sort of like core values of Bonner are best preserved there, and then passed along to, to you know uh, new newcomers, etc. You know this already, but we know this too. Like most of the group area is the people that you don't have to sell to. Like you don't have to like put any extra work into it. They're already sold. They know they're going back every June, regardless of a lineup. They're the people that go year after year after year because we know everybody. It's like going back to school and seeing everybody on the first day. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's why we've, you know, been able to put so much trust in y'all and some of the other uh, big sort of long lasting groups out there and, literally just set up a small stage and gave you guys a PA and said, go for it. That's <laughs> so, so appreciated by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's awesome. You know, I, 
I went out there. I heard of a bunch of people that stopped by. They're like, what's even going on over there? It's like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. (laughs) Look, the rest of that weekend, the past two years, like there was a lot of like campground DJs that just noticed that there was a light on and an aux cord and they just went for it and nothing broke. Yeah. It was fun. (laughs) Yep. All right. One more question about this kind of stuff. Uh, This came from a lot of Ruvians that were asking about this. One thing that Bonnaroo has been tremendous about, and I have really bragged on you about, is your assistance about ADA stuff, people with disabilities. Um, There's been that section right next to the arch or whatever for years and years and years. Um, I know that's very important to you, but like, what have you talked about about how to improve the uh, shuttle system for people with ADA needs? Um... Listen, it's a, uh, it's a challenging, it's something that we obviously care much about. It's an extremely uh, challenging environment, not only for those fans that are coming, but for us to figure out what those things are and how those improvements work, right? I, I wish we had the luxury of being in an arena or a brick and mortar venue where a lot of these things are kind of part of the plan, right? But we were plopped in the middle of the field in Manchester. So as we, it, it's the transportation piece, uh, we've got a guy, we've got two guys, Austin and Clancy, that head up um, that program. And Austin himself is um, is in a uh, is in a wheelchair and he's like a beast, man. I, I've got so much respect for this guy and it's really helpful to have someone like him in that position because he can directly relate and put himself in, in that in those shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a blessing to have somebody like him on our team. Um, we basically let, we trust our team to go out. We trust Austin and Clancy to go out and say, Hey, we need to pave this road or we need to excavate this part of this campground or we need to do this and that. And and then we do it like whatever they say, we do it. Cause we truly want, we don't want anything to stop someone from having an equivocal experience that any other fan on the farm can have. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that that's, that's easily said and, and sometimes can be very challenging to make happen. But, you know, one of the things we recently did, which I don't know, it's probably something that was maybe only noticed by the people that it, it potentially impacted, but the VIP mound that's like stage right of the main stage, we actually excavated and, and carved a path all the way to the top of it. I thought you were about to say you moved it. You were about to settle a long debate. <laughs> no, but, no, but we we excavated and carved a flat path that's completely ADA accessible all the way to the top of that mound. So I didn't know it, that. It, it, yeah, it's it's things like that that you know sometimes it's our idea, sometimes it's something that's brought to our attention, and we decide that we can act on it. But it's it's always one hundred percent top of mind for us because it's just super important, man, that there's nothing stopping someone from wanting to come to the farm and have a really magical weekend. Awesome. Thank you, Brad. That That's exactly why I brag on you guys. You like pay attention. Exactly. It's like Disney world. You pay attention to every detail when it comes to stuff like that. You want to take the next one? Charles? Yeah, so we talked about rookies a little bit earlier, but let's say a rookie was to arrive on the farm and had no festival experience whatsoever. What would be something that you would do to make that rookies experience as Good as possible, as best as possible. Yeah, no, this is another one that kind of aligns with what we're doing with Totem. Someone needs to just take them on a walk, man. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> someone needs to take them on a walk, show them the landmarks, show them how to use the all of the uh, wayfinding, and make sure that they can get 
from their place <laughs> to room and back. Yeah, part of me, my part first of couple me. years, man, you come out of there at one, two, four in the morning, and I've spent hours looking for my campsite. Well, y'all have done that. Like the wayfinding <laughs> helps a lot because, like back in the day, you know this, Corey. Like directions back to your camp would be like. Uh, turn left at the giant purple unicorn and then ride every time, you know. Yeah, yeah, dude. And it's still like that, too. It's like I'm by the University of Georgia flag next to something that says Han Solo on it. It's like I don't know. (laughs) I saw eight Han Solos just now, I have no idea what's going on. Um, I, I think my advice, I mean, part of me, part of me says that that is like part of the rite of passage, to be honest with you. Like, everybody. Everybody oh, kind of goes through that the first year. Um, I think that it's very important to have a friend. You don't have to come with a friend, but you got to find a friend. Yeah. You got to have someone that that um, can be your guide to a certain extent and uh, create some li- some um, responsibility kind of between the two of you um, and watch out for each other. Uh, not in the sense of like there's people lurking around that are trying to do bad things to you, but like yeah. you got to have somebody else that has your back beside yourself when you're at a place like Bonnaroo. It's a long, long marathon, and people sometimes treat it like a sprint from the very beginning. And I think a lot of times those are the people that it's their first time. And so my my I guess my advice would be make sure you're drinking water and find a friend. <laughs> those are, those are the two that I would start. With. And we decided to name everything super confusing. So yeah. Oh, bitch, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed on the poster, yeah. instead of saying what stage you said, pretty lots was playing the main stage. So there wouldn't, there wouldn't be any confusion amongst the normies. Yeah. 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 We, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm so glad that you just called that out. That's funny. That was an internal monologue that we had. <laughs> there's a couple there's a couple other resources I wanted to point out too. Um we're actually working on a few more videos um that we'll release over the course of this year that'll be helpful to share with rookies. Um we're also working on a new interface on the website. So we've got like the whole help center right now which is like hundreds of articles, all the information you could ever use, but you got to kind of know what you're looking for. So, you know, one of the goals up for me over the next few weeks is to just make kind of a one sheet that links out to a lot of those that someone can pretty easily digest. Um, and then once you get there, um, a lot of, you know, folks who have been going for a long time, I remember that we used to hand out, um, you know, a little guide when you came in, basically, and it would have the schedules on it and it would have the map on it um, and a few other odds and ends. Yep. There you go. And, you know, those, it's really, for for a festival that puts so much effort into protecting the farm and diverting stuff from landfills, it's not great to print 100,000 of those, right? And we understand it from that perspective. Like the app, now that there's been Wi-Fi on the farm, Mm -hmm. it's a double-edged sword because on one hand, you want to be in the alternative reality that is the farm. But on the other hand, the Wi-Fi lets you get to that app so you can get the stuff that used to be in that book. But I will say, I don't know if you guys knew this, but last year we did print some of those. Yeah. Um, We printed a much smaller amount of them. And... It was kind of an, if you know, you know thing. Um, But I think if you know someone who's going for the first time, 
you know, I have every intention of printing, uh, you know, some of those again, um, you know, send your friend who's going for the first time to the info booth to grab one of those. Mm, uh, I think it'd just be helpful. Um, it's something physical they can have in their hands and help guide them. And then, you know, we also have info booths spread around in Sinaru and Outeru. And we have uh, our Safe Fest team, which is in the bright yellow shirts. Um, you can come up to them. They're, uh, they can help you with anything that you need at all. Yeah, that's so, well, I noticed that too. And and, and Brad, um, I want to thank you for what you mentioned in terms of finding a friend yeah. or an exit buddy. Because that is exactly what we're trying to do with this mentorship program that we're setting up with Totem. So like people who are the grizzled wooks can take in a rookie and tell them, do this, don't do this. I did that once and it was stupid. Or I did that once and it was great, whatever it may be. So thanks. I think we're on the same line with that one. Yeah. Carl, you want to take this next one? or maybe? I'll, I'll take it. So talking about other events, is there any news or anything you can tell us about the new festival in Huntsville, Alabama, where we're from? By the way, you know, you got to give it some kind of space name. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so we cool. know. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we know. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know, Corey. I, Corey's more involved in that project now. I mean, I can I can what I'll say is. Um, that. It's not it. It. It's not rare, but most of the time when when we go into a city and want to do a festival, it's kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like, let us know how we can help. Like, that's kind of like the sentiment, right? Huntsville is like, we want a festival here. You all are the best people that can do it. Like, how can we be a great partner in, in helping facilitate that? So I'll just give huge, I'll just give a huge shout out to you know, Hunts, the mayor and, and the administration there in Huntsville of really understanding and seeing the value and the impact and what something like a music festival can do for mm -hmm. a city and an economy and a community. Um, and I think that it's going to be something really, really special. And I know Corey's doing a lot of work on the marketing side for that thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to give away too much because there's you know, a couple things that need to kind of fall into place um, before we can start to share stuff. But, you know, we are we are full steam ahead on it. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think sooner rather than later. Nice. Say. Well, I can tell you guys, uh, we've lived here for the better part of 16, 17 years now. And the movement that I've seen in this town to become a music city like post pandemic is insane. Yeah. If you had told me three years ago that I would have been able to see fish for 20 bucks 20 minutes from my house at the orion Dude, I, there's the no orion is, there is, yeah that place is so awesome it's the most beautiful one of the most beautiful venues i've ever been inside of i mean you walk in that thing and you think like well, the first time i went in that venue i was like am i at like am i in la like where am i <laughs> yeah. what, what what is going on like this is a beautiful state-of-the-art venue i hope people there understand how like crazy cool it is to have that in your backyard there's parking <laughs> there's, there's yeah, yeah. To park. we were so, in and out in like five minutes yeah advice was, for you guys or anybody else you can park up the road in front of like the dave and busters or whatever for free nobody cares and you're immediately gone it's amazing but yeah, yeah. I, I will say we're super excited to get to huntsville um that's that's a that's a project that's really got me fired up right now so i'm so primed for it man this town is ready for something like that we haven't had something like that in almost 20 years since big spring jam yeah. people have missed it this oh. is such a good music town we've got a lot of 
talent up and coming from here. Like just give them a plug. Our friend Wanda, our friend Them Damn Dogs, many others. Good EDM scene. We're ready for this, dude. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the last questions, Brad, I'm so sorry, but I couldn't have this without asking you this. So a lot of these other questions came from Ruvians, but I'm using the privilege card for this one. Tame Paul is my favorite band. You already talked about this. <laughs> you, you told me that you look at the Reddit. I know you see the surveys. I know you've heard it from Festival. Before I ask this, next, next year is going to be the 10-year anniversary of Currents. Like, this was a game-changer album for so many people. It's basically like our generation's dark side of the moon. Um, a couple of years ago, they played a 10-year anniversary show for another festival. They did Interspeaker. Now, I want to make it clear. I'm not specifically asking you if this is going to happen in 2025. I'm not asking you that. I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire with that. But what I am asking, we had two times when Lucy pulled the football away from Charlie Brown in 20 and 21. <laughs> and now we've got a golden opportunity coming up next year. Is it out of the realm of expectation? Is it too much for us to expect that the third time is the charm or do we need to let it go? I got the perfect answer for this, Corey. I like that. Here's my answer, Daniel, and I don't want this will not hold me to any expectations. I will just answer it by simply telling you that it would make a lot of sense. That's my only answer. Look, dude, I was in the pit when you two played the Joshua Tree. Oh, my my favorite set I've ever seen. That was transcendent. Like seeing one of my favorite bands like Bono literally 20 feet away from me doing the album that was kind of like my coming of age album amazing i'm just saying if my, my current favorite band played my favorite album of all time pretty much right in front of me I, I i'd it'd be like last year i don't think i could top it dude i can't top hanging with cherub i don't know if i could top seeing currents in full so i won't ask you anymore i think that was a good answer so thank you for <laughs> absolutely right. i knew i knew it was coming so you knew it you knew i it. thought i thought like, i was in the shower this morning going what am i gonna say if he asked <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So l- last couple of things. Now we'll come back in a minute and ask what was the craziest thing oh, yeah. that you saw. At oh Ruby. God. I need to think uh, about yeah. it. <laughs> but Charlie, you want to ask the second, the last one? Uh, no, you go ahead. Oh, I, I go ahead. I didn't read it. Oh, all right. We're going to bring it back around uh, and bring it kind of back to totem with what we're doing. What are the traditions that you personally want to make sure are passed to the next generation of Rubians? I got this one, Corey. I'll take it first. Okay, I've got one too. Go ahead. Um, for me, uh, this is a per. This is my personal answer. This is not me speaking as a uh, employee of the festival or or anything. This is I'm going to give you like my real, honest, raw answer. Um, the thing that attracted me to Bonnaroo, which in today's world is is even more important is that it is a protected place to unapologetically be yourself in a world where those things may not be allowed in certain instances or certain places or where you live, or you might not even feel comfortable being that around your family or when you're at home. And Bonnaroo is the one single place where you can do that and not have to worry or be questioned or anything. And I think we work really hard to ensure that the farm maintains that sense um and if there's anything that i would want to carry on it it is it is just that it is the stripping of the labels and and showing up for five days and 
if you're a doctor or if you work at a Dollar General or if you're a mechanic or whatever, like all of that's gone. Um, what 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 your family life is like at home, what you're dealing with at work, what everything is gone. And for those four days, you just get to be you just get to be. And Dude, I, do you know how good it feels that the guy that runs the place gets it? <laughs> Man, I if I didn't if I didn't get that, I'd quit my job, man. <laughs> that was such a perfect answer. Yeah. I don't think it could have been any better. That's uh that's the most important thing to Bonnaroo about me because it it's it at, at one point it was that for me and and that's what inspired me to do the work I do. And so I I gotta like I gotta make sure it does that for other people. I don't have another option. Like it has it has to be. Corey, I don't know if you can top that. No, dude. I don't think I, I don't think He's I heard the question. Mic. Yeah. I don't think I heard the question in the same way that Brad did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was just thinking about like uh, you know traditions and things that I remember from my early days going to Bonnaroo, and I I wanted to issue a challenge. Um, and this is a lot this is a lot more lighthearted than uh what Brad was saying. I very much agree with everything you said, Brad. But my first few years. There was something that I would re uh, refer to as the Bonnaroo Roar. Um, and it was basically one person would yell Bonnaroo as loud as they could. <laughs> and every person that heard that would do the same. And you could hear it for a mile. It still happens. Yeah. Doesn't happen as much as it used to. Yeah. And it doesn't happen to the same degree that it used to. And I want people to show up this year. And I want it to be the loudest. Primal, primal <laughs> scream, primal scream in the campgrounds. I want people to damn get after it. <laughs> oh, this reminds me. There was one other question that somebody wanted to pass along to you. You know, one of uh, pretty much everybody's favorite traditions is High Five Friday. Like, you know, Corey, you put it in the marketing. We all do it. It's one of our favorite days because of that. Last oh, year, yeah. there was in the snake line that went through the arch. Uh, what, what's up, dude? <laughs> Yeah, was that you, Brad? Was that your idea? No, and I'll save the person who it was. So oh, I know who it was. He, he shall not be mentioned. That was another thing, too, that um, we made a decision that was going to help us operationally and then didn't really realize the consequences of that. And so <laughs> we're working through options that will help us and revive a tradition at the same time. I think Amazing. that was that. That's my answer for now. That's my. See, answer. I knew that you would have seen the Reddit comments and be like, "Oh yeah, oh, yeah, dude." I I'm I'm in Reddit more than I should be. <laughs> oh, Brad's in Reddit. Oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. oh yeah. A lot of I people probably know me on Reddit. They just don't know me. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's like, in there. I'm I'm a ghost. So we got to bring it around. What's the craziest shit you ever saw? Um, I've got a really good story. Yeah, you go, Corey. And I, I think I can tell this. I think I can tell this safer work style. Um, so we were. I might make it. I'll make it PG-13. That's fine. All right. Yeah, that works. Um, so we were. I, I was really into Humphreys McGee in college. Um, <laughs> they're my favorite band. And in 2012 or 11, I think they played Late Night. Um, and they were going to do the sunrise. Um, so we were psyched, man. And my friend, my friend, Kevin, 
Uh, he played football at Tennessee Tech. And at that time, the festival had a bunch of his teammates would be working security. Um, so we we got in the habit of, and this is disgusting, we would fill up like giant Powerade bottles um, full of bourbon and he would just be able to bring him in because his buddies were um and so or he's like so we do as i say not as i do yeah yeah i mean you know <laughs> I, I've done uh, so, so we we were uh we were heading through the arch and you know he brought his bottle in and you know we're poor college kids so we we're gonna sip on that all night and have a good time at Humphreys, and it was our it was our show of the weekend you know and we get up there and none of his buddies are working so we we just start we just start uh we like went back through the arch and we started recruiting people to help us drink it and so we just filled the bottle made a ton of friends and we took that crew inside and we hung out with those people all night long and had an absolute blast and Uffrey's played and then big gigantic came out and did a tweener set and then Uffrey's played and I just remember they were playing Thunderstruck as the sun came up. I've seen a video of that. It was amazing. And it was it was just an absolutely epic Bonnaroo moment where you meet so many new people that you've never met before. And it's not something that would ever happen in real life. And then, you know, in this instance, as it goes, sometimes I never saw any of those people again. <laughs> But we were best friends that night, and it was awesome. Okay. Brad, I think Corey That's, that's a pretty classic lottery moment, I think. I, Brad, I think Corey may top you on this one. <laughs> no, he will, because mine's really dumb, and you guys might not even think it's funny, but when people ask me about, like, the weirdest interaction or funniest interaction I've ever had at Bonnaroo, this is the only thing that can come to mind. And I'm not going to say who this was, but I miss, I'll, I'll just tell the story. It's really short. In 2018... I was um, finally starting to like figure it out, like working, you know, in my job. Like I really felt like I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing something now. And so I'm I'm backstage and I'm walking somewhere and I go to cut through the artist compound. And this artist, who beloved by many, she walks up to me. And I'm really nervous because I'm a fan of this artist and I'm just like, I don't know what she's about to say. And I'm probably going to just embarrass myself. And before I can say anything, she's I, I guess she saw I had a radio on. I look like I knew I, I could answer a question. And she just goes, hey, do you know where I can take a shit around here? And that was that was all that was all that came out of this this woman's mouth and one of my favorite humans and I'm just sitting there going this there's no way this is real like am I on, <laughs> am I on punk like is is in is ash is someone gonna pop out with a camera like what is going on here but genuinely just wanted to know the answer to the question and I told her <laughs> that was the end of the interaction but that that is like stuck in my brain it was in 2018 it's stuck in my brain for forever so I love the fact that now that I've told that the people listening to this are going to go look at the 2018 lineup and they're going to be like, Oh, I bet I know yes, who, was. who right. on here will, will probably be wanting to go take a shit. Like which one of these people would need to be taking a shit. I do your homework. I don't know. That, that's my story. It's really stupid, but I enjoy it. So without getting into the details, I'll tell you the craziest night, the most fun night I ever had at, 
at Rue was the Friday night of 16 because we had like just a triple header, M83, LCD, and then Tame. But the next night is the wildest I've ever seen at Rue because that storm rolled through and everybody had to leave and then come back in for Pearl Jam. And I'm going to just say this without you guys like freaking out. There were no rules that night. It was, <laughs> oh, no. it was total anarchy in all the best and most safe ways, I promise. But everything got thrown out the window that night. But guys, listen, thank you so much for spending a little over an hour with us. Yeah, thank you. There was a lot that you talked about that kind of filled in a lot of gaps for us that we've always wondered about. And listen, I just have to reiterate, like, not just on our behalf, but like on the behalf of so many groups like, you know, the Parachute People, Red Roo, Squeak Squad, Trying to Go to Bed. I mean, that's also the Parachute People, but many others that I'm not even thinking about right now. You do so much to put this party on for us, but also support this community that we all have. Like a lot of us see each other throughout the year, but we have the big party in June. And it means a lot that y'all trust us to contribute to it. And you support us, you know, hell, you even put us on the schedule these days. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So it 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 is very, very much appreciated. And I wish there was something else that we could do to show you uh, that wasn't just buying tickets every year. <laughs> no, dude, thank you guys for everything you do, man. The the enthusiasm that, you know, we get from y'all and your, your close circle is, you know, literally unmatched. And, you know, the kindness that you guys show uh, people coming for the first time or second time uh it's just it's just so impressive and it's really nice to see and we really appreciate it the thing that it means a lot that you guys uh will hear us out and understand us because i know it's hard to some of the decisions we have to make it's really hard you know we don't get the chance to explain ourselves right and it feels nice that you all are willing to to at least even if you don't agree to at least hear us out and and let and you know also to be a voice for us and it's super important and i hope that you guys feel it i mean it sounds like the sentiment is shared but i think it's important for Corey and i that you know we want to feel accessible too like from Mm -hmm. the fan we we want you to know that we we do want to hear what your concerns are what your ideas are because we have the ability to act on them so um let's just keep it going, man. It's a fun time. And we're going to, man, I cannot wait till June. It's going to be fun. Lots of surprises and it's going to be a great time. Well, listen, you, yeah, guys man, to, you know, to y'all's, to y'all's listeners and, you know, to your guys's, you know, friends and crew and, you know, everybody out there that might hear this, like we read every single comment, you know, we, we pour over the survey information every year. We're compiling artist requests from the survey, our socials, third-party socials like festival and basically anywhere you see people commenting about Bonnaroo like we want to hear it this is not a music festival this is a community it always will be and we're always here to listen and react and continue to make it better man so it is noticed and loved dude um I'm, I'm not exaggerating I'll say it again it is the greatest party on planet earth nothing comes close um you know, the actual festival is awesome, but it's like everything that orbits that means the world to us. And it orbits what you guys work on day to day. So your work is more appreciated than you'll ever know. Thanks, man. This has been fun. We should do this more often. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, what what we should do is get you guys to come hang out at the monkey bar next to the bus and come smash. Oh, I hung, I hung out at the monkey bar last year. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. 
Count we're going to see if uh, we're, we're going to make some calls and see if we can get uh, Post Malone to come hang out with us. Never know, man. Get get the pong table out. You never yeah. know. <laughs> I can see him throwing pong at the monkey bar, man. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, guys. We love yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all. Have a good one, y'all. Brad and Corey, that was awesome. You know, they're genuinely fun to hang out with. I wasn't getting them. I, I want them to come to the monkey bar to just like hang and not have to worry about, you know, business or whatever. Right. That'd be cool. Do you think we can really get Posty to come do like beer pong? Oh, I hope Posty goes that would to the be monkey amazing. bar. That'd be so much fun. Have you seen that video of him like doing beer pong with Randy Travis? <laughs> he was overjoyed to meet. Someone wheels Randy Travis in there. Yeah. <laughs> Post Malone, he is just like overjoyed in any situation. Did you see that video that Corey shared of like him singing along with Group Love? Yes. On the Bonnaroo account? Yes. yes. (laughs) Like, I mean, I love him. He's not my favorite artist, but like, I just love him personally. He's just always so happy to be there no matter what it is. You're in love with Post Malone? (laughs) I guess so. Yeah, I just want to hang with him. Okay, Daniel. Let's get into thanking our Patreon. Oh, yes. So I'll set you up. So you know the deal by now. This is at patreon.com slash rubus. 100% is fueling our new Totem nonprofit. And by the way, check the socials for Totem. We're doing an event in New York. Yes, Next we are. Month. You want to tell them about it, Daniel? Oh, yeah. So our good friend, Evan, who lives in the area, is working with us to set us up at a restaurant. I believe Skylar is going to be there as well. I'm trying to uh, twist Brad Steiner, formerly of the What Podcast, to be there. Um, I think Kara Yates, who is doing the new uh, Femflock podcast, is hopefully going to come out. So a lot of New York City friends I hope to see there. I'm going to be in town for work, so we're going to do that while I'm there and just do kind of like a Rue Hangout and do our elevator pitch for Totem. And if you don't know about Totem, Totem stands for the Opportunity to Experience Music. It is a nonprofit organization, and it helps send underserved individuals to attend music festivals as well as a mentorship program for rookies that attend music festivals. Yeah, you'll hear plenty about it from us, but check it out at totemfnd.org. But Charlotte, why don't we list everybody that's supporting us? Okay, Andrea, JB, Sam, Austin, Madeline, James, Chelsea, aka Hygiene Queen, Ryan, Chris, Skyler, Dan, Ernst, Bill, Harris, Keith, Casey, Chloe, Dave, Amanda, Aaron, Nick, Maddie, McBurg, Kent, Randy, Greg, Eric and Ben, Evan, Jay, Chloe, and Sean. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, thank you. Again, you can find that at patreon.com slash rubus, and you can learn more about Totem at totemfnd.org. So that's pretty much all that you're going to hear from us this week. We didn't want to go on too much. We just wanted to give the mic to Corey and Brad as much as we could. Thanks again to them for taking the time with us. They're putting on the best party, but also they're just really fun to hang with. I just love <laughs> joking, messing around with them. Yes, so it was awesome. Hopefully they can get away from work and come visit us uh, at the bus and at the monkey bar this June. I hope so. But again, thank you so much, guys. And for the rest of you, um, it'll probably be a week and a half before we do another episode. We've been at it hard with this, and I'm about to be traveling for work. So probably see you the week after next. I think we're going to do our annual FAQ episode, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So look out for that on the subreddit, I believe. 
Maybe. Maybe. We'll figure that we'll out. Figure it out. We'll You'll hear it out. from well, us. We do have a couple of really cool guests lined up. For you. Yes, tell you about that soon. But hey, you know what? Keep finding new stuff on that lineup, and also get out there and radiate positivity. Bye. See you later. Bye.